Bonjour et bienvenue. You are listening to You Are So French, Success Stories à la Française. The podcast talking about success stories of French people in Australia. I am Aurélie, I'm from France and I've been living in Melbourne for many years. Since my beginnings down under, I've always been passionate about hearing the stories of my fellow French who found their place, their mission or their purpose so far away from their homeland. I always have so many questions to ask them. Did they have a dream when they moved to Australia? Or did their aspiration develop with their life here? And really, how did they make it happen? Our guest will share what it means to undertake a project out of their comfort zone, the cultural differences they faced, and how being French in Australia has been a bonus, or perhaps sometimes a challenge, in their endeavors. I invite you to follow inspiring journeys into different fields, entrepreneurship, personal development, relationship, or career, to name only a few. While everyone has his own definition of success and ways to reach it, courage, determination, confidence, and intuition seem to always be part of the recipe, the achievement of something positive. This is what success stories mean here and what we will discuss, with passion, honesty, and of course, a bit of an accent, in three words, à la française. In the fifth episode of You Are So French, we chat with Alexandra Ganipo, the founder of The French Hack, where learning French is meant to be fun and feel like a club more than a school. Alexandra also takes us back in time when she arrived in Melbourne 25 years ago and she tells us how the city and the French community has changed in two and a half decades. We recorded this episode at the very end of 2021 in Melbourne. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Cooling Nation, and we pay our respects to the elders, past, present and emerging. Bonjour Alexandra. Bonjour. Thank you very much for being part of You Are So French. You are my fifth guest already. Oh, I'm so excited. And I wanted to thank you specifically because you contacted me to participate and you told me that you are always willing and very happy to support French entrepreneurs and the French community. So thank you for that. But let's start with getting to know you. So as an introduction, can you please tell us where you're from? How long have you been in Australia? Where do you live? And why did you move to Australia? It's a long story because I've been here since 1996. So I've been here for over, what, 25 years now. I think I was one of the first, one of the original, you know, long-term settler, let's just say. I am from Bordeaux in France. After studying, I decided to move to London, where I stayed for about two, two and a half years. And I met a boy. I met an Australian boy there. He said to me, hey, I'm going back to Australia. Do you want to come? So I thought, oh, okay, let's do that. So I took a working holiday visa at the time. And I'm still here with the same boy, by the way. <laughs> That's my story. It's already a success. Tick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How was it to arrive in Australia 25 years ago? As you said, you are probably one of the first and we can imagine it was very different from moving to Australia from France today. 
It was very different, still amazing, but it felt that it could be better. It's hard to, to understand because I loved everything. I loved going away on weekend. I loved discovering Victoria. I loved going to the beach, the Mornington Peninsula. I loved the fact that we literally had no money. We could afford a tiny apartment in South Yarra and we had a swimming pool. Like anything was possible. That's really how it felt. And it was amazing but it felt a little bit I don't want to say country town I arrived from living in London and Melbourne felt very quiet I felt like it was a diamond in the rough I felt it could be better the French community was pretty small it, it took a little bit of time for me to feel very comfortable it sounds really awful because my boyfriend back then was Australian and I love meeting Australian people but I felt very complete a little bit later when I met a few French ladies girls my age and then I, I knew I knew I was going to be just fine and how were the reactions of Australian people back then because we know today we can see the sparkle in the eyes when we say we are French how was it at this time It was the same. People were pretty excited. I mean, Australians, I think, are incredibly kind and curious and genuine. And they want to know where you're from. And they travel so much. My father-in-law knows France way better than I do. He's been to every village. He remembers everything. They love the passion for France is, is, is real. That was definitely a plus to be French and arrive here because I was a bit of a novelty and people wanted to know a lot and they loved the accent and, oh, you're so French. I must have heard it like a million times. And I can't believe I didn't steal the name. And how did you see the French community changing over the decades? It's an interesting, really good question because it really has changed. Back then, when you met French people, I mean, I was in, I was early 20s, okay, mid-20s, and people were much older. They were in their 40s, 50s, and very established. They were not really interested to meet with young girl like me who didn't really know what was going on. And, and the people my age, some of them were a little bit, you know the word dodgy? We felt like they were escaping France. We were not quite too sure why. They were a little bit vagabond. Nobody seemed to want to settle. It was very different. While now, I mean, it didn't take that long, but you know, when I had my children and I only took French babysitters and I could see over the years the young people who came were like awesome and so interesting and educated and truly wanted to learn what they could learn from Australia. I saw a change over the decades, absolutely. And now I'm really involved with the French community actually. So you are the founder of the French Hack, which is <laughs> the business you are currently working on, but yes. you have a very rich story. You have reinvented yourself a couple of times since you started your adventure in Australia and probably more specifically your professional life in Australia. Could you take us back in time and tell us about this journey? 
Oh my gosh, back in time. One thing that I found that Australians are a lot more open to give it a go. You know, it's a real thing here, which when I first arrived was very tricky because I went, oh, I don't know what I can do. What, I, my English is not good enough. Or I don't have experience in that. So I've never worked in a company like this. So I've never done that. And people are like, who cares? Just give it a try. So I did that. I started to do a little bit of tutoring here and there. And next thing you know, it grows. And next thing you know, I started to teach French in kindergarten. And then I was doing some after-school program and worked at the Alliance Francaise, worked at L'Oréal. Over the years, that was my full-time job. A lot of fun. I met unbelievable people and families. There was one family who had six children, went to this house every week, a few hours a week for many years. So it's been a very, very rich work life, no question. And towards maybe six years ago or so I just had a bit enough because you know I'm driving to people's home all the time the traffic in Melbourne that's another thing that has changed not in a good way traffic in Melbourne is terrible I just had enough my children now we're older we're going to school I wanted to be home in the evening I had a bit of a not a breakdown but I just need to stop a bit. So I did. I was very lucky that I could do that and have a bit of a break to work things out. Things were maturing in my head. And then in 2019, what are we now? Yeah, we lost track of time these last two years. So we're 2021. That's right. So 2019, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. So everything stopped. Work, life fun everything stopped for treatment and in a really really strange way as I was going through the treatment and I was really not too sure if I could ever work again because you know I was pretty unwell eventually you do get better and you go okay I can rebuild and it was quite extraordinary how this really literally just landed in my head like you know when in a cartoon you see the light bulb I I pretty much had that and I thought I want to teach again but I want to teach from my house I want to teach online I'm going to do it this way I'm going to start a membership and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that I felt totally invincible I had nothing to lose I really because I was sort of starting again from scratch yeah now I'm running two memberships plus still doing private tutoring online so that's how the French hack was born. You were actually a little bit ahead of time because you <laughs> launched the French hack, which is 100% online or most of it online. 99.9. Yep. <laughs> yeah, just before COVID hit. So you were ready, not even knowing. It. I was ready without knowing. Absolutely. It was in December. I was on holiday in Barron Bay with my family after my treatment to have a bit of a break and recharge. I was in bed and I took my notebook. I was writing all the ideas that I had for this new business. It's going to be online and it's going to be a membership. So what do I need? Because I'm useless with computer and all the technology and I thought I'll work it out I'll just I'll get some help so we finish our holiday January starts my children go back to school we start to hear about this COVID that's in China and because I often help young ladies girls who are at Melbourne University just to settle in Australia or I'm kind of you know a bit of the godmother for some sometimes of when I meet young people and one of the girls called me and she goes what do I do do I go home I can't uh, my flights I don't know if I'm going to stop in China like it's it's a disaster and I what is going on and anyway so I'm working away building that online membership we got locked down in March I was nowhere near ready because I definitely had no and not thought about how much work 
setting yourself up online, writing content, you know, make it actually workable. It took a lot of work, but it did rush me because I thought it would take me a few months to get it going. Literally, as soon as that week, I think I put myself online. So I had already done about two and a half months of work preparation. I still wasn't too sure what was going on or how I was going to do it. I learned that the timing could not have been better. So the French hack, what is different? Because you have a bit of a different approach when it comes to teaching French. I believe in Australia, there are actually so many French language schools and ways to learn French. So what's your little personal touch? It's a very selfish touch. It's because I've been teaching for so, so long and I've done grammar, I've done high school, I've taught, I don't know if it's hundreds or thousands of students. It does get a little bit repetitive. I love it and I'm still doing it, but I wanted something different. I wanted something where it was not so stiff and so rigid. I wanted to put a little bit of fun in grammar because it's not fun. And I think also over the last few years, I've always worked by myself. What I wanted was connection. So th that was definitely the, the beginning of, of how it grew. I'm like, how could I gather people, real connection with me, not just with each other or just with the French or just with the grammar? And I thought, okay, I'm just going to have to find a way to create a club that is to learn French, not just for French, for Francophile and people who just want to do a little bit because not everybody wants to be fluent. Not everybody wants to know everything in grammar. And that's fine if they do, but I wanted everyone to feel really welcome with that checking the level and go well you're B1 or you're A2 everybody is welcome and I do cater for everyone so it's like a gym membership some people are coming to pump iron and they come every day and some just want to come once a week just to do some light work and they feel great I just work with the individual and what is really 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 different is that I open my zoom room to my members every day, Monday to Thursday at lunchtime for the adults. So we have lunch together, we chat, we talk about grammar or the latest movie that we went to see. And in the evening, I have another membership for high school students. So this one is a little bit more focused because they do have exams. It's a really fun. It's totally non-threatening. If people can't come for a couple of weeks, they don't come. No, Nobody's making you feel bad. There's no homework. Well, there is homework, but it's up to you. And people are in contact with me all the time it's it's a really really inclusive way to to learn french it's fun and we catch up once a month well, with covid that was hard but um, we do an outing every month something somewhere and with all this connection that you have with people australian or perhaps other nationalities but who are really interested in not only learning french as you said but also having a taste of the french culture did you finally understand because it's something we all ask ourselves what is it about French that is appealing so much listen I don't know exactly but I think Australian are obviously a lot of them come from a European background a lot of them are extremely traveled and they are genuinely interested and in France it is pretty beautiful. People love the food. They love, the, obviously, the, the architecture, the, the culture, the movies. I think France is very a part of Melbourne thing. It's, it's there. Everywhere you go, you know, you get the pâtisserie and the restaurants and the, the, the festivals at Como and the so French is so chic. 
And despite this, that really we all experience when we live in Australia, it seems that most of us French people, we still feel embarrassed and sometimes shy to speak English. We are very conscious of our accent, even after years in Australia, <laughs> when actually this is one of our biggest strengths when it comes to communicating with locals. Where do you think it comes from and, and why do you think we, it's very hard for us to let go I spend my life on Instagram. I do a lot of stories. And when I hear myself, I'm still cringing on my accent. But it did serve me well. So I can, I'm fine. I'm totally comfortable with it. Now, I think in Europe, you have the German, you know, and all the Scandinavia whose English is amazing because they do it from day one and they do it well. France, Spain, Italy, we still don't watch film in their original version. We still don't put enough emphasis. So maybe that's what it is because we're so convinced that it's all about France. It's all about French food. It's very French when you go to France. You go in for lunch, it's French. You watch a movie, it's in French, whether it's an English or American movie. Like it's, it's very, very hard to get out of that French mode. Yeah, I think what we should all remember is that this accent, probably we shouldn't lose it, but it's more about working on the pronunciation and making sure <laughs> that we, yeah. we have a grammar as good as possible. But I'm sure our Australian friend will agree that we should not lose this accent. Don't lose the accent. I don't think it's harming. I don't think it's doing any damage. As a French entrepreneur in Australia, mm -hmm. were there any challenges, sacrifices, and eventually learnings that really help you to grow and get where you are here and that you would like to share? I think it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's a personality thing or if it's a French thing, or maybe because I'm a bit older as well now. I don't want to say I don't care, but I don't care. I try things. I fall on my face. It's fine. I get up and I start something else. I do not ever take anything personally. I get an idea and I'm just going to try something. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And that goes for everything, whether it's for the content of my work or how I'm going to approach or the people I'm going to ask to speak with. I only keep track of what is positive and what is working. So I just move forward one step at a time. My uh, Chinese astrological sign is the ox. The ox really works one step at a time. In France, we're very attached to Bac plus 5 and da-da-da-da-da and the school and this. And once you realize in Australia, all that are just the mental shackles. They, they, they hold you back. You hold yourself back. Once you manage to just let go of this, you just try things. Usually, if you do it well, like, trust me, I work a lot. It works. No, advice is, you know what, you get a good idea, just work, just work. Don't try to cut too many corners, but just do the work and ask the right people and be honest. Like I'm super honest with everyone all the time and I'm genuinely loving what I do and the people I work with. So it's not really hard for me. It's I wake up happy to do the work. It's a beautiful transition to my next question. This podcast is about French success stories in Australia. But what I mean here by success story is it's not about success at such, but it's really about achieving something, something positive. Do you have a few examples of anecdotes that will illustrate, could be little or big successes that you have had in your life? That's what we must focus on because otherwise life would be very boring. So 
it's the little things more than the big things. Personally, that make me very excited. I mean, the big things, you know, you say I have two big, beautiful children and I get a lovely life. Like I said, my fear of technology, I swear I could barely cut and paste like I was that bad. Now I'm like almost coding, you know, when I'm just running memberships and I'm sending newsletter. That was a huge win for me just to go, oh. I can do that. And a few years ago, when I was in my break, I started to do a blog about interior design and I love writing. Like I'm actually a decent writer. Again, it's not my language. It was like, oh, there's a blog that I really like. And I asked if I could write for her and she has a hundred thousand people. Like it's a big thing. She took my blog post and then she took many more. And then she started to take my photos. So, so, so those little victories small victories when they add up make a pretty special big picture i've been very lucky i've had a lot of those small victories like this and and good things that happen so what is next then you want to trust the future and what's coming because i can feel you are a very optimistic person but do you also have some projects so for 2022 is to grow the membership both membership because i will be able to be social again so The, the focus is going to be on the connection that we spend away from the screen to then being able to work better on screen. Then 2023 is maybe being in a position where I can take a few students and catch, do a French little um, a little trip to France with some of my students. And again, not just so much to go and see all the things they have already seen, but do something pretty special. Going to visit an atelier of perfumery, for example, would be my next big thing with work. Amazing. I love this idea. I would almost be part of it, even Yay! though I'm French. I don't know if I, if I could be the right candidate, but yeah, that sounds you great. absolutely can. <laughs> So, um, Alexandra, where can we find you and follow the French Hack? We understand now you are absolutely an expert online. So I am. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm super, super, super active on Instagram because I offer free classes every month. Instagram is a great fun place to meet people and communicate and, and show things. It's fun. It's fresh. It's fast. I have a new thing called Two Minute of French. I just go in Insta stories and I give a quick two-minute lesson on something quite specific. So it's the French hack. I am on Facebook. I was hacked. The French hack got hacked this year. That was terrible though. Uh, I lost pretty much a year and a half worth of work and private groups and 30-day challenge. And that was pretty traumatic and, and really, really hard for the business to be promoting um, things because I still can't promote online. And my website, thefrenchhack.com.au is also a good place to, to go and just have a look at what's going on and there is a um a free five-day reboot as well that people can um subscribe to when they get a little email every day with a little uh, you know explanation on things and how to get back into it for people who have done french before but are a little bit <gasps> scared and i just show them it doesn't have to be scary thank you i will put all the references also in the note of the episode so people oh, can thank you, find that what is the most french about you and what is the most Australian about you? Oh, okay. The most Australian, I'm going to start with that. I really don't sweat the small stuff. 
as much as I used to. That's fine. She'd be right, mate. The most French. Ah. After all this year, do you think you still have a little bit of French in you? I'm sure. Yeah, because people do say to me, oh my gosh, you're so French. They look at my house and it's full of antique and it's very sentimental. And it's maybe the way I dress as well. That sometimes I have people going, oh my gosh, you look so French. It's like, okay. I don't do my hair, as you can tell. My hair is always a mess. Apparently that's a French thing. I got from French background of reading all the time. And and then I love European movies. So I'm definitely culturally absolutely still very attached to how I grew up. I was really young when I left. I think I have really, really created a, a real combo of who I am now. It's definitely not 100% French. It's definitely not Aussie. Yeah, I, I like to think it's a happy medium. It's a, it's, it meets halfway. And finally, what is the taste of success for you, Alexandra? Okay, the taste of success is for me to be able to really, really take control of what happens in your life. You, you can't predict what's going to happen and you can't predict how it's going to affect you, your, your loved one. What you can do is to accept and move forward. And that is something that to, to move forward, to be successful, you just have to accept whatever is thrown at you and just deal with it. I don't want to go, oh my gosh, I wish, I wish, I wish. There are things I can change and I did change. I guess that is success. Enjoying what I do and, and being able to do it on my terms. Yeah, I think I am very successful with that actually. Well, I wish you to feel the same way for a long time. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Merci beaucoup, Alexandra. Merci à vous, Aurélie. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and felt inspired to write your own success story, whatever you want it to be. You can find all the references in the note of the episode. I like hearing from you, so don't hesitate to share your feedback and suggest me new guests. You can find me on Instagram at youarsofrench.thepodcast or email me at youarsofrench.thepodcast at gmail.com. To finish, I would love it if you could help me make this podcast my success story by rating You Are So French, the podcast on your favorite streaming platform with stars, the more the better. You can also subscribe to never miss an episode and of course, tell your friends and family about it. Merci et à bientôt.